Hello, this is Michael Volkoff, and this is episode 200 of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Our episode today is a review of the Foster Wheeler FCPA enforcement action. Well, hello, everyone. Hope you had a great uh, 4th of July. And uh, we're all the way up to episode 200, which represents about four years of podcasting for me. And it's, uh, it's been a great journey uh, up to now and looking forward to continuing and uh, hopeful to bring, uh, you know, new and exciting compliance and enforcement topics uh, for your review. Now, we're going to today talk about Foster Wheeler, which is the first corporate FCPA enforcement action uh, of the year. And uh, we'll get to that in a minute. For, but first, we're going to hear from our sponsor, uh, Steel Compliance. Steel Compliance is the global leader in compliance and ethics management. Steel's compliance and ethics platform is comprehensive, robust, and easy to use to promote a company's culture of compliance. Steel partners with the world's largest, most respected companies to deliver compliance products and services that help organizations embrace a culture of compliance while protecting their brand. Building an ethical culture is a complex undertaking that requires a detailed understanding of the global compliance environment, considerable time, and specialized expertise. Steel's end-to-end ethics and compliance platform is designed to provide compliance officers with the solutions they need to proactively address changing regulatory and reputational risks. Steel's ethics and compliance automated platform offers critical functions designed to promote a speak-up culture to advance employee engagement, reporting, and incident management, investigate promptly and fairly potential incidents to ensure compliance with your organization's code of conduct and applicable laws and regulations, including anti-corruption, anti-money laundering, antitrust, sanctions, cybersecurity, and data privacy. Manage your organization's compliance policies and procedures to ensure that policies are updated and disseminated effectively so that employees understand your organization's compliance requirements. Educate and engage your organization to promote understanding in how your compliance program applies to -to day-to-day operations. And evaluate and monitor your organization's business partners, vendors, suppliers, and customers to mitigate risk and ensure adherence to your organization's ethics and compliance requirements. To learn more about Steel's compliance solutions, please contact us at email steelglobal.com or call 415-692-5000. Okay, so uh, let's turn to the Foster Wheeler FCPA case. Uh, as I said in the intro, this was the first corporate FCPA settlement for 2021. Uh, Amec uh, Foster Wheeler, which I'll call Foster Wheeler, was acquired by the Wood Group uh, based in the UK uh, in about 2018, I believe. And they agreed to pay over $18 million, uh, and then there were other payments that were made in addition to that, to settle uh, bribery charges uh, for uh, bribery activity in Brazil. So there's been a lot of talk uh, about the fact that we haven't had a corporate uh, FCPA enforcement action uh, this year. Uh, and part of that, I think, is explainable by the fact that the uh, Biden administration, um, the transition was delayed somewhat, and getting through some of the important people like from the criminal division uh, hasn't uh, recently occurred, but it was a pretty slow process. 
Uh, I'd remind everybody that at the beginning of 2016, uh, or when the, uh, the Trump administration came into power in 2017, uh, there was a slowdown of about four months where no FCPA actions occurred. Here we're at uh, six months, and uh, part of that is just the delays in reality that occurred at uh, DOJ, and we've had some delays uh, at the in the transition at the SEC as well. So, um, and you know, the ups and downs of FCPA enforcement, in my view, are not uh, so much um, dictated by uh, policy changes. There's sort of a pipeline of cases that are just going to be there. And they go up and down naturally as matters get uh, resolved. The only consistent delay that I've seen is in the new administration coming in. And if a new and if, and if a prior administration is going out, sometimes they go out with a bang and try to close a bunch of cases because people want to deal with that administration rather than a new one. So let's go back now to our case, uh, which was, it's an interesting one because it reflects a coordinated sell- settlement, not only... Uh, between DOJ and the SEC in the United States, but the UK's serious uh, fraud office. Uh, The Brazil prosecutors were also uh, involved in resolving the case as well. So there was a global kind of settlement here uh, involving uh, the three countries um, involved in this case. So Foster Wheeler is a subsidiary, like I said, of Wood Group, which is a UK global engineering company, and they were uh, basically caught for making bribery payments in Brazil to win a a lucrative $190 million contract to design a gas-to-chemicals facility. Um, That was with uh, Petrobras, and Amec Foster uh, entered into a three-year deferred prosecution agreement in exchange for a payment of the 18, little over $18 million dollars. Uh, the Wood Group uh, acquired Amec Foster in, actually in 2017, after the bribery conduct occurred. But you wonder if, did they know about it with the due diligence? Did they know uh, about uh, what they were buying in terms of this ongoing investigation? And my suspicion is yes. So Amec Foster agreed to pay the SEC approximately $22.7 million in disgorgement and prejudgment interest, uh, the SEC agreed to offset up to $9.1 million paid to Brazil and $3.5 million to the SFO in the United Kingdom, leaving a minimum payment of approximately $10 million to the SEC. From 2012, the conduct basically went for two uh, years. From 2012 to 2014, Amec Foster um, engaged in a scheme to obtain the oil and gas engineering and design contract from Petrobras, and it was referred to as the UFH-IV project. Uh, Amec Foster paid about $190 million in bribes. They used an Italian sales agent associated with Una Oil uh, to pay bribes to Petrobras uh, to win the contract. Under DOJ's corporate enforcement policy, Amec Foster did not receive credit for voluntary disclosure because it failed to notify DOJ of the conduct that triggered the enforcement action. Amec Foster received cooperation credit and engaged in remedial measures, including termination of an individual involved. They implemented enhanced uh, compliance procedures and controls, 
and agreed to submit annual reports to the Justice Department on its implementation of enhanced compliance program controls. Uh, there was no um, independent monitor uh, assigned in this case. Given the, uh, all these factors, uh, the Justice Department awarded Amec Foster a 25% reduction from the bottom of the sentencing guidelines range. Um, and so that brought uh, the DOJ, it gave basically a credit of about $4.5 million uh, to uh, Amec Foster. So when we look at the uh, underlying conduct, it really is a, it's a, it's a textbook case and actually a great teaching case with regard to all the pitfalls in dealing with what I call dancing with the devil, and that being a risky third party. And that's what we had here. So um, the, the fact is that this case points out the really real significant risks when you deal with a questionable third party and you don't stick to your policies, you don't stick to your uh, sort of compliance expectations, and, and as, a, as a result, Foster Wheeler was burned. Um, they didn't. Uh, so they ignored clear and present risks in the hope of landing a golden deal, which was a $190 million contract. And um, to land the deal, they used uh, this third-party agent who failed Foster Wheeler's uh, due diligence process for sales agents but was permitted to continue, quote-unquote, unofficially working on the project. So in 2011, Foster Wheeler entered the Brazil market to look for new business opportunities. In the summer of 2011, an Italian third-party agent uh, learned from a Brazil agent who was with a small engineering services firm in Rio de Janeiro about an opportunity involving Petrobras and potential bids for the UFN uh, IV project. The Brazil agent was the former Petrobras employee and learned of the upcoming opportunity from very good friends at Petrobras. In a moment of sort of serendipity, the Italian agent and the outgoing chairman of the board at Foster Wheeler became acquainted at a high-end clothing store in New York City. The clothing store manager arranged an introduction and the Italian agent emailed information about the project to the chairman, who forwarded the information to the acting CEO at Foster Wheeler uh, and, uh, and sort of said, look, here's, uh, you know, said, I don't know anything about this person, but I got this information. Um, to address the compliance issues, the Italian agent enlisted the support of Unioil at that time, the Monaco uh, intermediary company, which itself has reached a resolution with, uh, for FCPA violations in the uh, oil and gas industry. And the Italian agent proposed to have Unioil receive payments for his services. Unknown to the Italian agent, Foster Wheeler already had rejected Unioil as part of its own due diligence process. And the Italian agent continued to press Foster Wheeler's uh, Brazil country manager to engage the agent to secure the project. The Brazil country manager forwarded the Italian agent's communications, suggesting that the Italian agent was proposing to make improper payments to Petrobras officials. But the Italian agent tried to reassure the country manager that he was working on a commission basis for himself and the Brazil agent 
that being the local uh, local agent, and claimed absolute discretion in the future as well. Quote, I shall be the only one involved and I shall take the risk to be accused if you lose the project, close quote. In April uh, of uh, 2012, Foster Wheeler offered the Italian agent a 2% commission. The UFN 1-4 bid was due within days. Foster Wheeler's Brazil country manager and in-house attorney and the CEO, along with others, noted that the Italian agent had ties to Unoil, which Foster Wheeler rejected as a potential third party. But Foster Wheeler continued to work with the Italian agent. Foster Wheeler's general counsel drafted an interim agency agreement to engage uh, the Italian agent, which was not authorized by Foster Wheeler's policies governing third parties. In April 2012, Foster Wheeler submitted its bid to qualify. Petrobras required the winning bidder to negotiate and manage contracts with five pre-selected companies that owned the licenses needed for technologies used in the project. While the Italian agent's due diligence application was pending, the Italian agent met with Petrobras officials and continued to pressure Foster Wheeler to retain the agent and the Brazilian agent. On April 30th, 2012, Petrobras announced that Foster Wheeler was the only application to qualify for the contract. Several weeks later, Foster Wheeler's due diligence review cited his links to Unioil and a failure to corroborate the Italian agent's prior work history and experience. They took his resume, called people, and did not reveal that he had any experience in the oil and gas industry. As a result, Foster Wheeler did not engage the Italian agent, but they did not terminate the interim agency agreement, and the Italian agent continued to work on the project during the rest of uh, the contract negotiations. Interestingly, the Italian agent corresponded with the Brazil country manager and continued those communications using the manager's personal email address. Meanwhile, the Italian agent introduced the Brazil country manager to the Brazil agent so that the Brazil agent could serve as the agent on the Petrobras contract. Brazil agent's due diligence application did not contain any reference to the Italian agent or that he was working with the Italian agent. And then the Italian agent and the Brazil agent paid bribes to Petrobras officials to obtain confidential information on Foster Wheeler's behalf to win the contract and to negotiate favorable terms. At the last minute before an important meeting with Petrobras, the Brazil agent was able to secure a favorable pricing and terms proposal for Foster Wheeler. In August 2012, Foster Wheeler agreed to an unusual payment to the Brazil agent of $560,000 in commissions related to services allegedly performed previously uh, with uh, to negotiate deals with the technology providers on the contract. Three days later, Petrobras awarded the contract to Foster Wheeler. A few days later, Brazil ag- the Brazil agent told the Italian agent that their friend at Petrobras would send Brazil agent the Brazil agent a copy of the contract. Later in 2012, Foster Wheeler's CEO expressed his concern that the Italian agent promised to pay someone at Petrobras through the Brazil agent. Despite a specific direction from in-house counsel not to pay the Italian agent for his work on the project, 
the Brazil country manager and other managers knew that the Italian agent would receive his payment, not as a commission, but as a finder's fee. Throughout the contract, the Italian agent stayed in contact with the Brazil country manager to request additional payments for services uh, for, that they had provided. And the Brazil agent submitted quarterly reports and invoices and requested payments for continuing services. The invoices never documented any meaningful work to justify the payments. Uh, and they suggested uh, that there was a need to pay the Brazil age agent because his displeasure could make life difficult for us. And Foster Wheeler eventually paid $1.1 million to a correspondent bank account in New York credited to the Brazil agent. And the Brazil agent used offshore accounts to transfer a portion of the funds to the Italian agent. So... Uh, in the next two years of 2013 and 2014, Brazil and Italian agents shared the related fees and provided payments to one or more Petrobras officials. And to avoid Brazil taxes, the agents office discussed how to split the funds and used an escrow account of Italian agents' attorney in New York. Uh, and in one case, they used a Delario, a money launderer, to transfer the Italian agent's share of payment. Well... <laughs> When we look back on this, we all know and we all hear about third-party risks over and over again. But when you look at the details of this, when you sort of strip this down, um, you know, we can see that Foster Wheeler basically had so many red flags that presented them, uh, themselves uh, in the pursuit of this Petrobras contract that there was really no way to protect themselves other than to just terminate these third-party agents. Looking back on the events, they could have avoided this risk uh, altogether and avoided any dealings with the Italian agent, the Brazil agent, and UniOil, all suspect actors in this case. So first, to the extent they maintained a third-party due diligence program, several actors sought to use the Italian agent without subjecting the candidate to a robust review process that was designed to ensure, you know, the uh, unearthing of risks. Such a process should have included some basic questions like, how did Foster Wheeler learn of the proposed agent? Who was the business sponsor and for what purpose? And what services was the agent to be used for? Had Foster Wheeler asked these questions with care and sincerity, it is clear the Italian agent would have fumbled from the beginning. The circumstances of the introduction through a clothing salesperson to a soon-to-be former chairman does not provide any re reassurances as to the bona fides of the Italian agent. Further, it was never clear exactly what services the Italian agent intended to provide and his qualifications to provide such services. Second, even after these basic missed opportunities, Foster Wheeler eventually learned that the Italian agent misrepresented his previous work experience. Further, the Italian agent cited his relationship with UniOil as an alternative method to receive payments. Both of these facts triggered classic red flags, flags that would have sealed any third-party candidate's fate. A third party that lies about his or her prior work experience and proposes an unusual payment arrangement is nothing more than bad news dressed in a attempted third-party costume of uh, legality. The story, unfortunately, uh, did not end there. 
Um, we have not even touched the issue of the payments and the accounting for money. Foster Wheeler made four distinct payments to the Italian and Brazil agents, and these payments were on their face problematic under even a system of basic controls, let alone the context of the entire story. Um, Foster Wheeler's conduct, which had to include several key actors who not only ignored its internal controls and stretched to a knowing circumvention of its due diligence control, controls, revealed a glaring absence of any commitment to a culture of compliance. Uh, the Italian and Brazil agents, remember, presented four invoices that failed to include basic information relating to the services provided, the need for such services, the terms of payments, and other basic invoice-to-payment processes. Instead, it appeared that Foster Wheeler applied few, if any, controls. I guess in, in the end, circumvention in one area of compliance controls can easily expand into avoidance of other significant controls, including basic invoices, justification, documentation, and assurances prior to issuance of large payments to a problematic third party. The general counsel's conduct here is also incredibly questionable, given the fact that the general counsel filled out an interim uh, engagement um, in a temporary engagement with the Italian third party, knowing that the third party did not pass the due diligence requirements. Uh, and knowing that the third party was uh, dangerous. And that, to me, was a pretty, pretty uh, significant circumvention here. So I'm always mystified when legal and compliance practitioners argue that an F FCPA violation was caused by a quote-unquote rogue employee. A bad actor rarely carries out his or her illegal scheme without some level of complicity from other persons. The interesting question to me is usually what level of knowledge the facilitators may have, what specific breakdowns occurred either in surrounding controls, supervision, or oversight. To carry out an illegal scheme, more than just one, one actor has to break bad. Uh, a lone actor will not succeed unless important controls were never put in place, or more likely, Responsible persons such as managers, supervisors, or gatekeepers ignore red flags and fail to respond uh, to rectify the relevant risks. Foster Wheeler is just one more example in the fabric of organizational misconduct. Uh, and in most cases, there are multiple factors that occur in the end and they contribute to a root cause failure. It's important to remember to review enforcement cases with this perspective. Well, that's where we are. Uh, an interesting case, Foster Wheeler. Um, it's definitely, there's some good lessons learned there with regard to third parties and third-party risk management. Uh, we'll be back. There'll be more FCPA cases, I promise you, this year. Uh, there's, it's going to be a big year, I think, because uh, DOJ is definitely committed to aggressive prosecution in this area and uh, we're going to see more cases coming. Anyway, thanks everybody. Thanks for listening. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkov Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. You can learn more about the legal and compliance services we offer at our website, www.volkovlaw.com. 
You can also follow our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our podcast series. You can contact Michael Volkov at his email address, mvolkov at volkovlaw.com. Surprise. Never ever saw the stars so bright In the farmhouse days will be alright